Section twenty of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section twenty, Yitzchok Yossel Boy Gerber, by Isaiah Lerner. At the time I am speaking of, the above was about forty years old. He was a little thin Jew with a long face, a long nose two large black kindly eyes, and one who would sooner be quiet and think than talk, no matter what was being said to him. Even when he was scolded for something—and by whom and when and for what was he not scolded—he used to listen with a quiet, startled, but sweet smile, and his large kindly eyes would look at the other with such wonderment mingled with a sort of pity, that the other soon stopped short in his abuse, and stood nonplussed before him. There, you may talk, you may as well argue with a horse, or a donkey, or the wall, or a log of wood, and the other would spit, and make off. But if any one observed that smile attentively, and studied the look in his eyes, he would, to a certainty, have read there as follows. O oh man, man, why are you eating your heart out, seeing that you don't know and that you don't understand? Why do you undertake to tell me what I ought to do? And when he was obliged to answer, he used to do so in a few measured and gentle words, as you would speak to a little ignorant child, smiling the while and then he would disappear and start thinking again. They called him Breitgerber, breadwinner, because no matter how hard the man worked, he was never able to earn a living. He was a little tailor, but not like the tailors nowadays who specialize in one kind of garment, for Yitzchok Yossel made everything—trousers, cloaks, waistcoats, topcoats, fur coats, capes, collars, bags for prayer books, talisim katan, and so on. Besides, he was a ladies' tailor as well. Summer and winter, day and night, he worked like an ox, and yet, when the Kabskanifka community, at the time of the great cholera, in order to put an end to the plague, led him, aged thirty, out to the cemetery, and there married him to Malka the orphan, she cast him off two weeks later. She was still too young, twenty-eight, she said, to stay with him and die of hunger. She went out into the world, together with a large band of poor, after the great fire that destroyed nearly the whole town, and nothing more was heard of Malka the orphan from that day forward. And Yitzchok Yossel Beutgerber betook himself with needle and flat-iron into the woman's chamber in the new shul, the community having assigned it to him as a workroom. How it came about, you may ask, that so versatile a tailor as Yitzchok Yossel should be so poor? Well, if you do, it just shows you don't know him. Wait and hear what I shall tell you. The story is on this wise. Yitzchok Yossel by Gerber was a tailor who could make anything, and who made nothing at all, 
that is, since he displayed his imagination in cutting out and sewing on the occasion I am referring to, nobody would trust him. I can remember as if it were to-day what happened in Kabsgonivka, and the commotion there was in the little town when Yitzchok Yossel made Reb Yecheskel, the teacher, a pair of trousers, begging your pardon, of such fantastic cut that the unfortunate teacher had to wear them as a vest, though he was not then in need of one, having a brand new sheepskin not more than three years old. And now listen. Binyamin Droipnik, the trader's mother, died, Baruch Doyeremis, and her whole fortune went, according to the law, to her only son, Binyamin. She had to be buried at the expense of the community. If she was to be buried at all, it was the only way, but the whole town was furious with the old woman for having cheated them out of their expectations and taken her whole fortune away with her to the real world. None knew exactly why, but it was confidently believed that old Aunt Leah had heaps of treasure somewhere in hiding. It was a custom with us in Kabskanivka to say, whenever any one, man or woman, lived long, ate sickness by the clock, and still did not die, that it was a sign that he had, in the course of his long life, gathered a great store of riches, that somewhere in a cellar he kept potfuls of gold and silver. The Chevrakadisha, the younger members, had long been wetting their teeth for Aunt Leah's fortune, and now she had died, may she merit paradise, and had fooled them. What about her money? A cow has flown off the roof and laid an egg. In that same night Reb Benjamin's cow, a real cow, carved, and the unfortunate consequence was that she died. The Chevrakadisha took the calf and buried Aunt Leah at its own expense. Well, money or no money, inheritance or no inheritance, Reb Benjamin's old mother left him a quilt. A large, long, wide, wadded quilt. As an article of house furniture, a quilt is a very useful thing, especially in a house where there is a wife, Kenny Hora, and a goodly number of children, little and big. Who doesn't see that? It looks simple enough. Either one keeps it for oneself and the two little boys, with whom Reb Benjamin used to sleep, or else one gives it to the wife and the two little girls, who also sleep all together, or, if not, then to the two bigger boys, or to the two bigger girls, who repose on the two bench-beds in the parlour and kitchen, respectively. But this particular quilt brought such perplexity into Reb Benjamin's rather small head that he, not of you may it be spoken, nearly went mad. Why I, and not she? Why she, and not I, or they, or the others? Why they, and not I? Why them, and not us? Why the others, and not them? Well, well, what is all this fuss? What did we cover them with before? Three days and three nights Reb Binyamin split his head and puzzled his brains over these questions, 
till the Almighty had pity on his small skull and feeble intelligence, and sent him a happy thought. After all, it is an inheritance from one's one and only mother, peace be upon her, it is a thing from thingland. I must adapt it to some useful purpose, so that heaven and earth may envy me its possession." And he sent to fetch Yitzchok Yossel Breitgerber, the tailor, who could make every kind of garment, and said to him, Reb Yitzchok Yossel, you see this article? I see it. Yes, you see it, but do you understand it, really and truly understand it? I think I do. But do you know what this is, huh? A quilt. Ah, a quilt? I could have told you that myself, but the stuff, the material. It's good material, beautiful stuff. Good material, beautiful stuff? No, I beg your pardon. You are not an expert in this. You don't know the value of merchandise. The real artisan, the true expert, would say, the material is light, soft, and elastic, like a lung, a sound and healthy lung. The stuff, he would say further, is firm, full, and smooth as the best calf's leather, and durable. Why, it's a piece out of the heart of the strongest ox, or the tongue of the messianic ox itself. Do you know how many winters this quilt has lasted already? But, Knook, that is not why I have sent for you. We are neither of us, thanks to his blessed name, do-nothings. The long and the short of it is this. I wish to make out of this, you understand me, out of this material, out of this piece of stuff, a thing, an article, that shall draw everybody to it. A fruit that is worth saying the blessing over. Something superfine. For instance, what, for example, tell me, would you do if I gave you this piece of goods into your hands, and said to you, Reb Yitzchok Yossel, as you are, without sin be it spoken, an old workman, a good workman, and besides that, a good comrade, and a Jew as well, take this material, this stuff, and deal with it as you think best. Only let it be turned into a sort of costume, a sort of garment, so that not only Kabskonivka, but all Kamenevka shall be bitten and torn with envy. Eh? What would you turn it into? Yitzchok Yossel was silent. Reb Yitzchok Yossel went nearly out of his mind, nearly fainted for joy at these last words. He grew pale as death, white as chalk, then burning red like a flame of fire, and sparkled and shone. And no wonder. Was it a trifle? All his life he had dreamed of the day when he should be given a free hand in his work, so that everyone should see who Yitzchok Yossel is. And at the end came the trousers, Reb Yechzichel Melamed's trousers. Well, how cleverly he had made them! Just think, 
trousers and upper garments in one. He had been so overjoyed, he had felt so happy, so sure that now everyone would know who Yitzchok Yossel Breitgerber is. He had even began to think and wonder about Malka the orphan. Poor, unfortunate orphan! Had she ever had one single happy day in her life? Work forever and next to no food, toil till she was exhausted and next to no drink, sleep where she could get it, one time in Elkanah's the butcher's kitchen, another time in Yisro Eldinsi's attic, and when at last she got married, good luck to her, she became the wife of Yitzchok Yossel Breitgerber, and the wedding took place in the burial ground. On one side they were digging graves, on the other side they were bringing fresh corpses. There was weeping and wailing, and in the middle of it all the musicians playing and fiddling and singing, and the relations dancing. Good luck, good luck! The orphan and her breadwinner are being led to the marriage canopy in the graveyard. He will never forget with what gusto she, his bride, the first night after their wedding, ate, drank, and slept. The whole of the wedding supper that had been given to them, bridegroom and bride, a nice roll, a glass of brandy, a tea-glass full of wine, and a heaped-up plate of roast meat, was cut up and scraped together and eaten, Kenny Horror, by her, the bride herself. He had taken great pleasure in watching her face. He had known her well from childhood, and had no need to look at her to know what she was like, but he wanted to see what kind of feelings her face would express during this operation. When they led him into the bridal chamber—she was already there—the companions of the bridegroom burst into a shout of laughter, for the bride was already snoring. He knew quite well why she had gone to sleep so quickly and comfortably. Was there not sufficient reason? For the first time in her life she had made a good meal and laid down in a bed with bedclothes. The six groschen candle burnt, the flies woke and began to buzz, the mills clapped and swung and groaned, and he, Yitzchok Yossel Breitgerber, the bridegroom, sat beside the bridal bed on a little barrel of pickled gherkins, and looked at Malka the orphan, his bride, his wife, listened to her loud, thick snores, and thought. The town dogs howled strangely. Evidently the wedding in the cemetery had not yet driven away the angel of death. From some of the neighbouring houses came a dreadful crying and screaming of women and children. Malka the orphan heard nothing. She slept sweetly and snored as loud, I beg to distinguish, as Caspar, the tall, stout miller, the owner of both mills. Yitzchok Yossel Breitgerber sits on the little barrel looks at her face and thinks. Her face is dark, roughened, and nearly like that of an old woman. A great fat fly knocked against the wick. The candle suddenly began to burn brighter, 
and Yitzchak Yossel saw her face became prettier, younger and fresher, and overspread by a smile. That was all the effect of the supper and the soft bed. Then it was that he had promised himself that he had sworn once and for all to show the Kabskanifka Jews who he is, and then Malka the orphan would have food and a bed every day. He would have done this long ago had it not been for those trousers. The people are so silly. They don't understand. That is the whole misfortune. It's quite the other way about. Let someone else try and turn out such ingenious contrivance. But because it was he and not someone else, they laughed and made fun of him. How Reb Yechiskel, his wife and children, did abuse him! That was his reward for all his trouble. And just because they themselves are cattle, horses, boars, who don't understand the tailor's art. Ha! If only they understood that tailoring is a noble, refined calling, limitless and bottomless as, with due respect, the holy Torah. But all is not lost. Who knows? For here comes Binyamin Droipnik, an intelligent man, a man of brains and feeling. And think how many years he has been a trader. A retail trader, certainly. A jobber, but eh. Come, Yitzchak Yossel, make an end. What will you turn it into? Everything. That is to say, a dressing-gown for your Javoska, and then a morning-gown with tassels. After that, a coat. Well, a dress. And besides that, a pair of trousers and a jacket. Nothing more? Why not? Uh, for instance, uh, police. A wadded winter police for you. There, there, just that, and only that, said Reb Binyamin, delighted. Yitzchok Yossel Boitgerber tucked away the quilt under his arm, and was preparing to be off. Reb Yitzchok Yossel, and what about taking my measure, and how about your charge? Yitzchok Yossel dearly loved to take anyone's measure, and was an expert at so doing. He had soon pulled a fair-sized piece of paper out of one of his deep pockets, folded into a long paper stick, and began to measure Reb Benjamin Droipnik's limbs. He did not even omit to note the length and breadth of his feet. "'What do you want with that? Are you measuring me for trousers?' "'It, don't you ask. No need to teach a skilled workman his trade.' And what about the charge? We shall settle that later. No, that won't do. I am a trader, you understand, and must have it all pat. Uh, five gulden. And how much less? How should I know? Well, four. Well, and half a rouble? Well, well. Remember, Reb Yitzchok Yossel, it must be a masterpiece. Trust me. 
For five days and five nights Yitzchok Yossel set his imagination to work on Benjamin Droipnik's inheritance. There was no eating for him, no drinking, and no sleeping. The scissors squeaked, the needle ran hither and thither, up and down, the inheritance sighed and almost sobbed under the hot iron. But how happy was Yitzchok Yossel those lightsome days and merry nights! Who could compare with him? Greater than the Kabskanifka village elder, richer than Yisrael Dinsis, the tax-gatherer, and more exalted than the bailiff himself was Yitzchok Yossel, that is, in his own estimation. All that he wished, thought, and felt was forthwith created by means of his scissors and iron, his thimble, needle, and cotton. No more putting on of patches, sewing on of pockets, cutting out of tefillin sechlech and talisim katan, no more doing up of old dresses. Freedom! Freedom! He wanted one bit of work of the right sort, that was all. Ha! Now he would show them, the Kabskwanifka cripples and householders, now he would show them who Yitzchok Yossel Gerber is. They would not laugh at him or tease him any more. His fame would travel from one end of the world to the other, and Malka the orphan, his bride, his wife, she also would hear of it, and she will come back to him. He feels it in every limb. It was not him she cast off only his bad luck. He will rent a lodging, money will pour in from all sides, buy a little furniture, a bed, a sofa, a table. In time he will buy a little house of his own. She will come. She has been homeless long enough. It is time she should rest her weary, aching bones. It is high time she should have her own corner. She will come back. He feels it. She will certainly come home. The last night. The work is complete. Yitzchok Yossel spread it out on the table of the women's shawl, lighted a second Groshen candle, sat down in front of it with wide-open, sparkling eyes, gazed with delight at the product of his imagination, and was wildly happy. So he sat the whole night. It was very hard for him to part with his achievement, but hardly was it day when he appeared with it at Reb Benjamin Droipnik's. A good morning, a good yah, Reb Yitzchok Yossel. I see by your eyes that you have been successful. Is it true? You can see for yourself. There. No, no, there is no need for me to see it first. Dvoshka, Cheka, Sprintzer, David Herschel, Yitzchok Yoilich. You understand, I want them all to be present and see. In a few minutes the whole family had appeared on the scene. Even the four little ones popped up from behind the heaps of ragged covering. Yitzchok Yossel untied his parcel and— Vos is dos? A pair of trousers with sleeves. 
End of Yitzchok Yossel Boy Gerber by Isaiah Lerner